You're listening to Ouija Broads. This is Devin. This is Liz. Before I get into the stuff I want to tell you today, we have some new patrons to thank. Yes, we like to start our episodes with our attitude of gratitude. <laughs> See, I took something you liked and then I made it bad by rhyming it. Yeah. <laughs> love yeah. rhyming. I love it. Can you make it an alliteration that also rhymes that I'm sold? Oh, no. Oh, no. I can't do wordplay at all. Anytime anybody comes up with something clever, I'm like, how did you do that? Those words live so far apart in my brain. Mm-hmm. And then they, they swap them out. And my brain was like, ha, ah, those are similar. I think of <laughs> that's the whole, that's all it takes for me. I, it's like I, the- for some reason, the example I think of is James Cameron is apparently terrible to work with. And on The Abyss, because so much of it was an underwater shoot, the actors called it The Abuse. And I'm just like, oh, oh my God. Wow. Oh it's like God. it, but it's not like it. You're the smartest person I know. How is wordplay not easy <laughs> for you? Uh, I have other talents. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm busy with my tongue in other ways. Devin. <laughs> well, now it feels awkward thanking people. <laughs> use that tongue. Put it to good use, Liz. Thank him. I can't. I can't. Okay. I, you're just. You're just the way you are all the time. Mm-hmm. All right. I'd like to thank RJ, Jennifer, and I believe it's Namui. Oh, that's a and, beautiful name. Yeah, all of them. Thank you. Anyway, to thank RJ. You, folks. To Jennifer and to Namui and to all our patrons, past and present and future. We appreciate the support. We do. I'm ready for a story. Did I put a request in for this one? You did. did just... you, well, you gave me a writing prompt. It was a, a non-Washington urban legend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's great. Wow. I mean, urban legend is like so broad. It could be a ghost story. Mm-hmm. It could be a, a weird thing. It could be a made-up story that then at that, the end, I tell you, is made up, and I make you think it's real the whole time. Um, <laughs> I have an urban legend for you from the Gonna Get You State, Alaska. Gonna Get You State. <laughs> gonna yeah. Get You State. This urban legend, I want to do a little historical back story. I want to start with... Oh, that's with, allowed. Oh, thanks. I mean, some digression here. We'll learn a thing or two. I want to talk about the Iditarod. Trail specifically, oh, wow. yeah. Uh, the that's the backstory. So we have an urban legend on top of this famously bizarre race. We talked about the Iditarod before. It was back on uh, Two Good Boys, which was episode mm-hmm. sixty six, and we talk about Balto and the Great Race of Mercy, and we talk about Old Shep, who was the dog that hung out in Montana at the railroad station. That's right. Uh, but we didn't really we didn't really round out the Iditarod, I don't think. At least I don't remember us doing that. So let's talk about that. I think we that. just, yeah, I think we just alluded to the concept of having yeah. dogs that pull a sled. Pull a dogs. sled. <laughs> That's what they do. There's two trails, one that happens on odd years, one that happens on even years. But it's essentially the same route that was taken in 1925 when they did that diphtheria serum run to oh. Nome. Oh, is that yeah. intentional? Yeah. Is it's like an homage? Yeah, it is exactly that. It's an homage. So it's I didn't realize that. It started in 1973 for two reasons. One was they wanted to have an homage to the Great Race of Mercy, and the second was that apparently mushing as an art form was dying out in Alaska. Yeah. 
or snowmobiles were taking over. Of course, that makes sense. Mm. But the, um, I don't remember if it was the Alaska, like department of humanities or whatever, but they were like, Hey, what we can do is, is recreate this race and it'll be really cool. And it's not only going to kind of revive this native Alaskan art form, which is sled dog racing and sled dog breeding, but it'll be another like tribute to the spirit of man and humanity and, you know, compassion, which was this and vaccines and vaccines, right? Oh man. It was originally when the diphtheria epidemic broke out, it was Dr. Curtis Welch who sent out urgent telegrams asking for the nearest supply of antitoxin. And the nearest supply happened to be in Anchorage, which was a thousand miles away. Oh, Alaska, not a small state. Not a thousand small miles state. away. I What's know. even like a thousand miles away from Spokane? Right. Colorado? The serum traveled most of that way. It only had to travel 674 miles by sled dog. There was a train that did part of it, but okay. 20 mushers, a hundred dogs and five and a half days covered a thousand miles. Well, it covered 674 miles, but it was incredible. Incredible. Today they do the entire thousand miles. Like I said, it alternates even in odd years, whether they take the North route or the south route, I believe they're called. And it's there's just one little couplet area that's different. And they, they did that in, I think it was 75. So the race started in 73. And in 75, they were like, there are so many tiny little towns that asking them to be on this race course every single year is just kind of messing up their infrastructure. It's not bringing them money so much as just overtaxing their resources. So we'll trade it up and we'll make sure that people are still vested in the race. They're still excited to have this happen. And we're not just being like, cool, what up? We're all up in your business for like a week and then (laughs) leaving every year. They get a little downtime. I like, I can't imagine wanting to test myself as much as I would be tested to do like even an Ironman. I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, and I know that's physical on a different level, but you know, that's a couple mile swim and a 20 mile bike ride and a 20 mile run or whatever an Ironman is. Can you imagine? Don't tweet us. We know it's more. We know it's more than that. I can't imagine pushing myself that much for like a full day and a half. And the Iditarod race takes people eight to 11 days over a thousand miles. Dude, it goes, it goes through tundra, through mountain ranges, over frozen rivers, through forests. It's complete blizzard, whiteout conditions. It's below freezing temperature all the time. It's gale force winds. You are sledding, you're mushing in the dark often. And, you know, you got bears, you got dogs that can get hurt. You've got yourself that can get hurt. You've got hundreds of miles between you and the next town that you're checking into where anything and everything can go wrong. It's just a, like the most masochistic test of endurance I can come up with, but people do it every year. So an Ironman or a ultra marathon or something, Mm -hmm. you're on your own. Mm Mm-hmm. 
physically, like you do have a support crew. But with this, you've got the dogs involved, which is interesting. Because yeah. I, I don't know. Are there races where people take horses out for a really, really long time? Not really, right? Not, I don't know. Not really. I mean, like my parents do the Bob Marshall, but it's not a race. I don't know. I think that would that would stress me out in a different way. Because mm-hmm. if I knew my own body and was like, okay, I've got this going on. I'm 80% of the way there. That's, you know, I'm going to push through it. It's going to suck, but it's going to be fine. Versus these dogs who trust oh, me and yeah. are going to do whatever I ask them to do. Yeah. That scares me. I don't want to be responsible. Well, you know, when you've got 12 to 16 dogs on a team, I don't want to be responsible for 16 babies that I love. And, um, you know, the people who race these dogs, of course, this has attracted negative attention from PETA and other animal rights activists who say it's exploitative of the dogs or it's hazardous to the dogs. And like, yeah, it's a working animal. Bad shit can happen. But I will say it seems like the Iditarod race organizers are really stringent about their animal protections. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my favorite facts to learn in researching at this time was that, so if a dog is exhausted or injured, the mushers are required to have a um, basket on the side of their sled. So if a dog can't run anymore, it gets bundled up in blankets and it gets put in this little basket. And at the next stop, the next drop site is what it's called on the trail. The dog is handed over to a team where it's transported by the volunteer Iditarod air force to the Hilland mountain correctional center at Eagle river, where the inmates there take care of the dogs until an owner or family member can come pick it up. Wow. Okay. That seems like a reasonable system. Yeah. I mean, I just, I I think that, Animals and inmates are usually such good programs for both the animals and the inmates. Mm-hmm. But that's fantastic. I also love that they've got, they care so much about these animals that, you know, they've got planes and helicopters standing by to make sure these animals get veterinary care. Yeah, that leaves me feeling a bit better about things. Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't read into to mushers that much that specifically, but I think you can tell that these people really care about their animals. Mm-hmm. They really love them. So I, I just, I don't know. I thought it was really sweet to think about like, Oh, you sprained your ankle. We're going to bundle you up in a little burrito balto and stick you in a basket. And then <laughs> you get to take a good trip over to some buddies who are going to help you out for a while. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I don't know. It's sweet, but So that's all weird. It's interesting. It's unusual. It's unlike anything else that I'm aware of that happens in the U.S., but it's not an urban legend. It's all factual. So so where does the urban legend part come in? Where does the creepy part, the Ouija broads part come in? The urban legend part of this story concerns old woman. So I've got a multiple choice question for you, Liz. Do you think old woman is a mountain, a cabin, or the ghost of an old woman? D, all of the above. Oh, how did you know that? I did very well on the SATs. You are so smart. I didn't even give you that as an option. 
There's always a third, no, fourth option. <laughs> you did terrible on the math portion, but real good yeah. on the multiple choice. Don't write in your own answers on multiple choice <laughs> questions. As a grader, I do not appreciate it. You don't think people are real clever when they do that on your tests? No. Oh, my God. My students hate it, though, because I'll, I do, like, circle all that are correct uh. and... Because otherwise, I don't know if you've ever tried to write a lot of multiple choice questions. Nah. It is very hard to write them in a way where the answer is not obvious, but it is clear if you know the information. Oh, yeah. You cannot come up with three bad answers that won't just point someone toward the right answer. <laughs> so, <sighs> Well, you're a, a more capable woman than I am. I've never had to try. I just give, I give questions where the answer is all of the above. <laughs> Old woman. Old. A cabin, a mountain, a ghost? And a ghost. Did you say? Yeah. Oh. A cabin, a woman, and a ghost. So old woman is in the last stretch of the Iditarod before you reach Nome. And it's what the Anchorage Daily News describes as the threshold where the race transitions from a protective inland run to one that cuts through the harsh, whistling winds along the Bering Sea coastline, the last wow. leg before the finish line in Nome. Oh, my. And so that is where all three of these things are. There's a mountain looming in the distance known as Old Woman, and at the base of that mountain is a cabin which is also called Old Woman. And confusingly enough, that stretch of trail is haunted by a spectral figure that people refer to as Old Woman. Hmm. The name of the ghost probably came first. This is an urban legend that's roots are very difficult to trace. Uh, yeah, I could see calling a mountain old woman mm -hmm. because people call mountains whatever. Right. But I, I would be, I mean, cabins don't usually get names at all unless you're at like Girl Scout camp and they're like, you're in Ticonderoga. Yeah. <laughs> you're in Hollyhock. Yeah, like you wouldn't just ride past a, a cabin in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness and go, I got to come up with a name for that. <laughs> or maybe you would. Maybe, maybe it's like wouldn't. that. I always think when I'm listening to... What is that song about, like, been through the desert on a horse with no name? Yeah. And I think I was, like, 10 when I read in Dave Barry's column him saying, you're in the desert, you've got nothing else to do, name the horse. Name the and freaking horse. Maybe that's it, you're on the Iditarod and it's about to get, like, super <laughs> brutal. And you're like, I'm going to distract myself. I'm going to think about names for that cabin I saw. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, it is, it's a spot on the trail, so I think it makes sense to kind of name common markers i would imagine yeah. there's a lot of things it's like oh yeah you go two miles past lone pine oh god it's or like green boots <laughs> oh god what is green oh my god how do i know that oh okay that's so the creepy in... go ahead do you, do you want to guess or do you want me to tell you no i'd rather you tell me i like guessing so i feel smart when i get it right but i'm not going to i'm just going to guess all around it well, I think you can understand why my head is at grueling Arctic conditions, but on Mount Everest. Oh, that's right. That hiker yeah. who died, I believe he was Nepalese, and yeah. he was wearing very distinctive green boots that the snow hasn't covered. That's and right. Because of where he stayed and where his body has remained, although I believe he's moved a bit in recent years. Um, Global he's warming's sort of real, a, friends. A, a mile marker or a, a progress marker. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Oh, God. So a cabin's better than that. Cabin's way better than that, dude. Way better than that. 
like I said, her origin story, old woman's origin story as a spectral figure, and therefore the basis for naming the cabin and the mountain. She's got a couple different origin stories. Um, the one that I read most was that people think there was this reclusive old woman who lived mm-hmm. in that cabin and died there alone, and now her spirit has stayed behind. But she's also been said to be the spirit of a woman who was climbing the mountain uh, in the 1800s, and people used to use, I guess men used to use that mountain as a lookout for hunting, so they could go up there, see out a range, and then go, okay, cool, there's a herd of elk down in the valley, we'll go down there and get them. And it said that she died in an avalanche as a kind of karmic curse for doing men's work. Whoa. And Is this... Do, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I, I have a... Uh, do the legends say that she's a native woman or a white woman? Depends. Okay. Because there's also a native legend that says old woman uh, is a shapeshifter and that she can shapeshift an old native woman and she shapeshifts between a human woman and a bear. Well, I'm into that. That's I'm awesome. So into that, right? I oh, just couldn't God. picture in the 1800s yeah. a white woman being up there no. and going, "I'm going to climb this mountain." Like it sounds like it's near nothing. It's so near nothing. even like yeah. Mount Marathon or some right. of the real hardcore ladies we profiled on the show, like Isabella Bird or Nellie Cashman, wouldn't have yeah. just helped themselves to a stray mountain in the middle of nowhere. No, it's more like an Ada Blackjack kind of. You yeah. are a native Alaskan Inuit. Um, I'm going to show my ignorance here by not knowing all of the native Alaskan tribes, so I should stop trying to name them. Uh, but anyway, so there's a few different ways that they think this spirit or that they, that they, that people have said this spirit has come mm-hmm. into being. But regardless, people who run the Iditarod see feel, hear a presence at this cabin site at the base of this mountain. And Is the cabin all busted up? Is it just like uh, old weathered wood? It, yeah, or like is it a place you can actually shelter in? You can shelter in it, but it's it, from my readings, appears to be kind of as good as like the shelters that you get on maybe the Appalachian Trail. Okay. You know, where it's, yeah, it's a cabin and it'll keep you from the wind, but it's not like it's insulated. It's not yeah, like it's, it's nice. Better than nothing, but it's not like a forest service fully stocked. Yeah. Here's your hand warmers. Here's your fresh water. Thing. Exactly. It is okay. a, a total wayside uh, thing. And there's, I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit more about the cabin itself in just a second. To begin with, the woman, old woman, is reported as either seen as an old woman or a beautiful young woman. So that's one of those interesting, I don't know, that's very like fairy tale Germanic witch, right? Where a woman either appears as a maiden or a crone. Yeah, although I was going to say like one person's old woman's another's beautiful young woman. (laughs) (laughs) The odds are good, but the goods are odd. (laughs) In Alaska. Yeah. I'm just saying, it, it is funny, though. It's that dichotomy. It's either, you know, she's a thousand-year-old crone or mm-hmm. she's, uh, 
you know, a young beauty. It's never like, well, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, she wasn't like super young. She's she's yeah. fine. She's in her prime. She's yeah. doing okay. Yeah, she's like forty five, <laughs> maybe forty seven. Yeah. She probably doesn't like sleeping on the ground when she camps, but who does? Yeah, who does? <laughs> <laughs> she looked a lot like that one girl, you know, Devin. <laughs> Solid six. <laughs> When you when people ask you how old you are or when it comes up, can you answer or do you have to think about oh, it for real? God, I, I have to think about it for so long. An embarrassingly long time. And it's I'm always like, I'm not trying to dupe you. I'm not trying to figure out if you want to hear that I'm older than you think I am or younger than you think I am. I'm just yeah. really trying to go, well, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm, it doesn't come up. No. no, I was I was doing a public health presentation for some high schoolers, which you know diphtheria did come up. That was <laughs> cool. Uh, I we were talking about public health accomplishments, and I brought a little plastic syringe to represent vaccines. And of course, they immediately started like stabbing each other with it. Of course, and <laughs> naturally, naturally. But I was trying to talk about so, for instance neural tube defects have gone down by about 50% since we started putting folic acid in the bread, but that oh. was only since like the 90s. So I was trying to talk to them about, you know, the world that they live in and the world that I live in is very different. Like none of those kids ever had to get chicken pox because there was a vaccine. Totally. Whereas for us, it was totally normal. Yeah. And but then I was like, so take me I'm and then I just froze. And then I was like, what year is it? <laughs> so, <laughs> I may have undermined my authority slightly you so by having did. to do some math. Oh my god! About how old head. I was. In your yeah. You well, should have lied. Because, I would have loved. Yeah. Take me. I'm sixty four. Oh fuck! But I said good, it. Don't I? I just better go with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm from the moon. Uh, I don't. I, I, I don't know that. about Earth years. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, no, and it's just because even all through my 20s, I felt like I was about 30, yeah. and now I still kind of do, and I'm not trying to do the, like, teehee, I'm turning 29 for the seventh time. I just legitimately can't tell unless I think about it for a while. Unless you think, exactly, like, I'm I'm young enough that I still get carded if I buy booze, and I'm old enough that I should have been wearing sunscreen five years ago. <laughs> Well, that's a factor, too, because I'm yeah. like, I'm imagining people going past my house if my house was like on the Iditarod. Yeah, you're old woman. And there'd be days, yeah, there'd be days when I would come out and I'd be like, you know, face and makeup, hair is done, feeling good, had all my coffee, mm -hmm. tall posture, rocking it. And they'd be like, ah, beautiful young woman yes. lives at that cabin. And then there's yes. days when I'm like, uh, put the trash in the curb. <laughs> Uh, I'm in my, like, rad old lady nightgown that's, like, black satin and goes to the floor. Oh, my God. And my hair is in, like, a crone bun. Yes. And my, all my eye makeup is underneath my eyes yes. where it wants to live. And Yes. Yeah, an old crone haunts that corner. And they would still say a beautiful young woman lives there. Because <laughs> they'd be afraid I would curse them. Fuck, yeah, dude. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh. I haven't figured out what part would entail me turning into a bear, but I have aspirations. Maybe that's when I'm, like, wrapped in a really cozy blanket. Big woolly robe. Yeah. Big, yeah, it's when you come out and you're like, whatever, haven't shaved in a couple months. Yeah. Winter is yeah, upon us. <laughs> I need the warmth. <laughs> oh, man. If you could turn, okay. if you could shapeshift, don't think about this too long, just tippy your tongue, what animal would you turn into? Oh no! Yeah. Oddly, Quick. my first answer was a boa constrictor, and I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that came from, Devin. 
Where'd that come from? You need to control. Yeah. No, I need to hug. Hug you. <laughs> I hug you so good. I lie on you. Warm me. I'm warm now. I guess that's your real Slytherin coming out. Apparently. Why a boa constrictor? Oh, I don't know. Just because they eat a giant meal and then sleep for a week. And that sounds so good. And Pretty they're... ideal, right? Yeah. Nobody fucks with them. Yeah. No, I'm all right with that. What would you do? I mean, I want it to be like a wolf. I want it to be mm. something cool, and I know me, and it would be like, mm, look at that skunk. Mm, she's a badger. Mm. See, if you'd asked me when I was like 15, I definitely would have said wolf. Yeah. But now my concern is that what if my dog then sniffed my butt and I sniffed my dog's butt? I'm going to hang up on you. <laughs> <laughs> so disgusting. Disgusted and disappointed. If you were a wolf, it would seem like a good idea. Oh my god. Oh my god. I guess think you're right. It. No, I don't want to think about it. That's why I want to hang up on you. God. Okay. All right. Well. Sounds like you're getting a better offer on your phone anyway. I, my husband, surprisingly, is texting me pictures of some dog that is not ours. So he heard you and is like, yes, show Liz <laughs> her new fetish. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I just watch dogs and like what now that I live with a dog, I see how they spend their time and I'm like, oh, so much junk licking. So much so, junk licking. So licking. much sad-eyed squatting over I grass. I know, right? Oh, I'm, I, I'm sure the wolf life would be different, but not different enough. Not different enough. All right, so I wouldn't be a wolf. I'd, I'd probably be like a river otter because they've got like really good little snacky mouths. You know, they just mm. look like when they're eating, they look like they're having a good time. And I'd be all like sinuous and slippery and I could do that, like, threshold thing where you're not an aquatic mammal, but you're not terrestrial either. So I could be very confusing. Will you be an ocean otter with me and hold my hand? I would do that so we never drift away. Uh, oh, and I can eat all the seafood I want. So much seafood. On my tummy. On your tummy. And they have, did you know that sea otters will have, um, they'll have a, a special rock that they love. Oh, and they, just like me. Just like you. Liz, they'll pass it on through generations. Oh. They're like, this is my special rock. And then they'll give it to a friend. I would bring you so many rocks. That's a pretty good setup. Okay, yeah. I think we've got this sorted out. We figured like, it out. it right into okay. the minutes. Yes. Um, so she can turn into a bear. She can turn into a bear. She can be a beautiful young woman. She can be a haggard old woman. And so people see her. They also report feeling pushed or poked as they pass the cabin. But what I think is really interesting is that she or the cabin or maybe both kind of have this siren song. Oh. And it's, it's partially literal. People hear a humming emanating from the cabin and the area. But what it makes them feel is very oh, wouldn't this be a wonderful place to stop and stay a while? <laughs> Any cabin would exert that effect on me after five minutes oh, on that trail. Right? Right? Yeah. But the problem is, they're on a race. They're timed. This is at the end. The lure of old woman is so accepted as fact that the race organizers tell mushers to make sure to bring food or another offering to leave at the cabin. So oh, that that's just built in. Built right, so that she doesn't she doesn't pull you in, but make sure that if you are derailed there, it's that time is built into your race. 
Like, make sure, okay, you know you're going to spend two hours at Old Woman. Well, fuck, you better try to find a way to make up those two hours earlier in your race. I love this so much. For some reason, it reminded me of Attack at Ape Canyon. So the MAC in Spokane right now is doing an exhibit about mythological creatures and their known equivalent yeah. so it's cool they'll have like you know here's a unicorn and they have a globe that shows like here's all the places around the world that have myths about such a creature and here's a narwhal horn yada yada but they had a map of like notable bigfoot incidents with ape canyon uh, but you yeah. remember in that one their guide told them to bring i think it was like boughs from the trees mm. to yeah. to communicate and to honor and to to get off on a good foot with the ape men who lived around there and then they of course ignored it because they were those guys but i'm like this is good don't knock the cabin down don't ignore it just go okay here's a place where here's how we handle this right this is how we handle this you are going to lose some time unless Mm -hmm. you leave out a little fairy offering here at tiernanog so get going with the can of spam uh, there's a woman that I, I think should be like our new, like we hold her up as our new level of badass. Her name is Dee Dee John Rowe, and she has raced 27 times. Damn. And what I love about Dee Dee is that she is very willing to talk to reporters about the, the you know, not only like. Here, I'm a musher. I'm a woman doing a very demanding physical thing that was traditionally very male-dominated. I'm also not afraid to tell you about spiritual stuff. And what I'm going to tell you is about old woman. And so in one article I read, Dee Dee says, She is a time suck. You just want to rest for a bit, but you stay even longer. She definitely can wreck the strategy of a race. I'll go by there and tell myself, don't look, don't look, don't look. Can't stop here, can't stop here, can't stop here. She kind of hums, and first you think the humming is the wind coming through the boards, but it's a tune, soothing and kind of haunting with minor notes rather than melodious notes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. See, I think that's why they have half the trouble they do on Everest, is they don't follow the rules of Everest. And I don't mean like pack out your trash yeah. but like the rules that spiritually people who live around that know and the way that you have to approach the mountain with respect and so forth i i think that's totally right like how i don't know i would feel very whatever i will make anything into a ritual and i know that i will be as superstitious as i allow myself to be But I feel like if I'm, I mean, like even when I went camping this weekend before we went into the Ho, which is an ancient primeval rainforesty place, I just kind of did a little like in my head, hey, what's up? I'd like to come into your house. And if there's any ancient forest spirits or fairies or whatever here, please know that I'm coming here with good intentions. Mm -hmm. Please know that I'll take good care of it, you know, and felt like, I don't know, that made me feel better. To feel like I was following the customs and superstitions of the area. I communicate with each home I move into Mm, to to ask it to take care of us and and say goodbye to them when we move out. It's kind of like that ancient joke about the person who has the relative who thinks he's a chicken and somebody's like, well, why don't you just 
convince him he's not a chicken. And he's like, well, we would, but we need the eggs. (laughs) It's like, look, I'm not saying that I can explain why this functions. I'm just saying I need the eggs. I just need the eggs. I'm not saying I can, like, tell you here's how old woman works. I'm just saying Somebody who's done it 27 Mm -hmm. times has the strategy. Just do what she does. Just do what she does. You need the eggs. You need the eggs. (laughs) Dee Dee's doing fine. I'm going to do what Mm -hmm. she's doing. (laughs) That is one of my favorite parts of of it makes the moving out of a house easier because you're just so fucking exhausted and you don't want to pack anything. And you get to that point where you're like, whatever's left, we're going to burn. Whatever's Mm -hmm. left is just trash. I don't need it. But it's so good to sit in a house and be like, hey, you held my memories for the past span of time. Thank you for doing that. That was really cool. You kept me safe. You kept me sheltered. You kept me warm and happy. And I really appreciate whatever that is about you. Yeah. Well, you remember we used to have that river place on the St. Lawrence. And the last time that I was going to be there. My sister and I were out on the kayaks Mm -hmm. and I intentionally flipped the kayak and dunked myself fully underwater to say goodbye. That's so good. Yeah. I think I told it I loved it. I loved the river. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good And got back in all wet. (laughs) 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 Well, you know, especially something like that, that's been looking after my family for generations or, there was something going around on the internet about carousels. It was some kind of like PG 13 creepypasta about carousels, but I was thinking about it and I'm like, the loof was built by a loving father for his daughter on her wedding day. He hand carved dozens of beautiful horses and it's been spinning in one place with happy people on it yeah. for a hundred years. Yeah. That's got to be some powerful oh, magic. God. That thing is a prayer wheel. That's not right? at all a curse or a vortex or a suck. That has to be nothing but spooling up positive energy, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you also bring your offerings to the garbage goat, which is right there, too. <laughs> the heathen god next to the <laughs> egg and prayer wheel. Yeah, you just give it a little something-something. Oh, it's perfect. The river runs right through it all. And the river runs through it, and it's wonderful. Is there anything the old woman particularly likes? I didn't know. I didn't find out. I didn't read that, hmm. whether there's things she likes or things she doesn't. But, I mean, there might not be a consensus on that, because there's not even a consensus on whether or not old woman is good or evil. Wow. She, well, not everything falls into one of those buckets. Totally, right? Mm-hmm. There are some people that think she's negative, that she's an evil force because she's negatively affecting race times by luring people to to sit down and stay a while. But there are other people who say, no, uh, she's obviously a good spirit. Like there was one musher, for example, who stayed in the cabin, was only going to rest for a moment, you know, or two, a moment being relative, but was only going to rest a short time fell asleep and ended up in the beginning stages of hypothermia when he felt a presence wake him up and say, you have to get moving. You have to get going. Oh, wow. And so he feels that that was old woman keeping him from just sleeping forever, you know, from slipping into hypothermia and dying. But then you have people like uh, Doug, who is a musher, trail breaker, race tracker. He's done it all for the Iditarod. Doug Catchtag 
has had several ghostly encounters along that stretch of the trail, but he doesn't think that they are all old woman. So Hmm. Doug thinks that there are maybe multiple spirits that haunt that area. So it's difficult to pinpoint for him what's due to old woman, what's due to other possible entities he believes in. And because of that, you can't tribute good or bad to one spirit because you don't know which it is. That's a good point. A place can have more than one influence. Really interesting, isn't it? That there could be more than one spirit acting on that. But I think, mm-hmm. I think that's nice. I think that if there's more than one spirit in the place, then old woman isn't alone. That's cool. Yeah. Well, and she gets to see the race every year. That's pretty good. She gets to see the race. She has people come by. She's obviously a place that people, whether it's supernatural or not, they, they want to spend time with her. They want to sit a spell. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that sounds like a lot of people I've known, and a lot of them have been older ladies who are like, quit rushing, sit down, mm-hmm. have a cup of coffee, I'm going to have a smoke, tell me what's going on with you. Yep. And they're like, yeah, you, you appreciate the slowing down part and the not yeah. running around all the time part. Yeah. Maybe that's just her vibe. She's the collective grandma energy. Absolutely. Of have another cookie. Yeah, have another cookie. Hang out with me. When somebody actually brings her baking soda, she's going to make, like, the most bomb cookies. Oh, my God. (laughs) She's just collecting everything. She's like, ah, (laughs) more spam. (laughs) Why won't somebody leave me some yeast? God damn it. (laughs) I was going to bake you such a nice loaf of bread. (laughs) Yeah, well, it sounds to me that the power that old woman exerts is... It's like an avalanche, right? Mm. It's not good or evil. It's just a natural part of what you'll experience as you go through here, just like you would experience the wind or the water or the snow. Oh, that's quite poetic. That's a much neater, more beautiful wrapping up of an episode than I've ever had. That's <laughs> so I wasn't great, trying to wrap you up, but okay. No, that, I mean, that just makes her like a force of nature, literally. Yeah, literally a force of nature that our path happens to cross. And the goal of that is perhaps not compatible with what we think we're doing when we get on the Iditarod. Mm -hmm. And so it stands out, whereas maybe in another life, that location could have been a town, a little town with like a really nice restaurant and inn that you just really, really want to stay at when you're there. Yeah. And you don't think anything of it. You just assume it's because it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's enough for you. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder what the ley lines people would have to say about (gasps) that. Oh, we should find some ley lines people and say, what goes through there, man? I want to hear all about it. Yeah. Well, that's, the old woman of the Iditarod Trail. Yeah. I mean, I found ghost story after ghost story on the Iditarod. It was old woman that was just this this kind of beautiful touchstone, and it was a mountain and a place and a person. But it's so interesting to read these small little snippet accounts of people who say that, yeah, I passed another team, and it wasn't until I was right abreast of them that I realized the mushers wrapped in a wolf skin. He's got old blankets. That sled <gasps> is made of wood. And then oh he just disappears into the into the, the wind, into the snow. Ghost musher. Ghost musher from, you know, days of old. Or Dee Dee talked about once driving past 
what's a ghost town, you know, going through this ghost town. And she realized that, you know, she was hearing sounds. She was hearing hammers clanging and she was hearing voices and she was hearing, uh, seeing smoke coming from chimneys. And when she looked closer, there were people there. And so she felt like the ghosts of this town were coming out and were mad that she was going through. Oh. And Well, I mean, under the right conditions, that kind of thing is like 90% of sensory deprivation tank. Oh, totally. Right? Because you've got like the rush of the wind and you're looking at the same dog butts the whole time. The whole time. And you're like holding a pose. It's got to be, I don't know even how they handle that because Mm -hmm. it's one thing if you're moving, but I'm thinking about like how you feel when you're on a bike or you've been on a really long road trip. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not tired exactly. I'm just very bored of holding this wheel. Exactly. And I just, I want to move and I want to do different things things with my body but there's an optimal way to do this uh, yeah so yeah i would give it that's got to be psychologically quite an experience so strange right as well as physically yeah. yeah i mean i don't mean to imply that it's not a very physical thing for the mushers as well but oh totally it's in a different way than like swimming is right like you said like riding a bicycle there's got to be a point where you're like if i could only cross my right leg over my left knee everything would mm-hmm. be fine right now i would feel great <laughs> but i can't i have to be in the same position yeah, or I just, I have this blister, and I can't hold this any other way that's not going to aggravate that blister, yep. so I guess that's what's happening to me yep. today. guess I get blister day. Wow. What a good story. Thank you. Thank you for letting me tell you about old woman. Yeah. I like it. She's so mysterious. There, There's... There's the historical component of the Iditarod, but, like, there's no historical old woman mm. that we know of, no, right? Who, no, Who I, died there. No, you can't. We don't, do you, not is, does anybody know anything about whose cabin it was? Not that, Cabins don't come from nowhere. They don't come from nowhere, right? Not that I could find. Uh, it's okay. really, I mean, you search old woman Alaska, and I'm going to oh, tell yeah. you, you get a lot more dating sites than you would think were possible. Nice. <laughs> Uh, there's also apparently a stretch of mountains or hills called the Old Women in California. So that comes up a lot when you search Old Woman Mountain. Hmm. Yeah, there's just several. I mean, I looked at probably 10 articles in all of my searches to find that much information, which was not a lot of information. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. There you go. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, if you would like to continue this journey with us, continue this conversation with us, go hang out with us on social media. We are, of course, on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter, off and on on YouTube, more off than on, but you can catch Mm -hmm. a couple of episodes there if that's your preferred way to listen. If you want to leave us a really strange comment, YouTube seems (laughs) to be the place to do that. YouTube is such the place to do that. Really, I was great. I don't think I said the F word but once in this episode. But, uh, man, that seems to be the the one on YouTube, right? Is Mm -hmm. quit with the silly swearing. No, it was the silly talk and the swearing she didn't like. What the fuck is the silly talk? Which I don't know. All of it's silly. It's all silly. It's all... I don't know. Look, like, I clicked the explicit tag when I set up our RSS feed. Yeah. I don't know what people want from yeah, us. I don't know what you want. <laughs> I don't know. We gotta earn it. Earn it. We gotta live up to that little E. <laughs> I want my R rating, goddammit. Nudity, at least full frontal. <laughs> F word, at least twice. <laughs> anyway.
Check us out on iTunes, on Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on our website, which is WeJabroads.com. And Liz, what else? What am I missing? I'm missing Patreon. Go to our Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com slash WeJabroads. I'm trying a new thing now where when I do kind of the first pass at the episode, which is when I'll just slap our two tracks together, sync them up, and then take out like any long chunks. Like I know there's going to be one in this where I went to go see where music was coming from. <laughs> I take that out, but not take out all the digressions and the ums mm-hmm. and the bad takes. And I've been sharing rough cuts up there. And then later when I actually have the closer to final version, share that as well. Yeah. So you get multiple versions that I'm trying out there. Yeah. I like it. All right, my friend, I think that's the only thing we have to say other than, of course, we hope that folks continue to live weird, die weird and stay weird. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.